0: Well that's a little promo video of, of VBS and uh oh I'm 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 skipping you, Lee. Man, I got all excited watching that video. You want to come up here and do your thing? Man, I just jumped that's 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 the sanguine in me. Just get it all excited and run up here. Man, I'm sorry, Lee. And that ties in well with uh where we are today in Titus. If you will turn to Titus one with me, Titus one verses ten through sixteen and there's just, uh, even, even today a on Memorial, a Memorial Day, and, and thinking about uh, those who have defended our country, those who have fought on behalf of this country to defend other countries. And uh, there is constantly things going on, and uh, there are constant attacks from the enemy. And that is true in, in, in our physical world, but that is also true in the spiritual world. We are under constant attacks from the enemy. There's a constant battle, a constant war being waged for our allegiance, for our devotion. And, and here in Titus, what we'll see today is uh, there was attacks even within the church, within the church. These weren't attacks from out, these were attacks from people within the church. And we need to be able, this is not only just for our kids, uh, us as adults, we need to be able to defend our faith as well. And we need to do it aggressively. So I hope that we will see this today, that, that theological tax, that spiritual tax, they, they, are to be, they are to be considered serious, and they are to be dealt with seriously. So pray with me, and, and we'll jump in here and read our text. Lord, open our hearts to your word. Speak to us. Lord, give us a uh, a sense about us that reflects uh, Paul and Titus's sense from this text in regards to to false teachers, false theology, other religions that teach truths other than that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, give us a fervor for you, a knowledge of your word, a, a love for you that, that propels us into defending what we believe, but doing it gently and respectfully, but yet de- taking it seriously as we see here in our text. We must take attacks against our faith seriously. Lord, all roads do not lead to the same place. There is but one road that leads to eternity in your presence. And the name above that road says Jesus. There is but one way to heaven. It is through the blood of Jesus. We must repent of our sinfulness. And we must believe upon Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that that would be clear today. And I pray that what you've done on our behalf would, would propel us, would motivate us to defend attacks against the truths of your word and we ask these things in your name amen and again i'm sorry lee i jumped up here i just i get that's the add imagine being my wife what karen must deal with so if we've only been doing this for two years i ought to know what the what the morning looks like so uh titus 1 verse 10 read with me please titus one ten. for there are many rebellious men empty talkers and deceivers especially those of the circumcision who must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families, teaching things they should not teach for the sake of sordid gain. One of themselves, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. That's a nice reputation to have. This testimony is true. For this reason, reprove them severely so that they may be sound in the faith, not paying attention to Jewish myths and commandments of men who turn away from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but both their mind and their conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny Him, being detestable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. Strong passage. Strong words there, Paul uses. He He's not casual about this. He's not kind of flippant about this. It's serious. False theology, bad theology, false teachers must be silenced, he says. And last week we saw in verses 5 through 9 the qualifications of church leaders. And those qualifications we said go way beyond just church leaders. Those are qualifications for really everyone within the church. Not this select elite few, but those were for everybody. But yet. What Titus was looking for was a few good men, if you will, to help lead the church, to help set the church in order. And the reason for that is what we see in our text today. There was false teachers all about Crete. They were within the church. They were upsetting whole families. They were leading people astray. They were leading leading them away from the sincerity and the purity of the gospel. And paul says they must be dealt with and and paul is not again he's not he's not he doesn't leave any room for any question regarding this they must be dealt with false teachers false theologians it has to be dealt with if they have if they have left the purity and the simplicity of the devotion to this word they must be dealt with and, and as i thought about that i I, I, even Memorial Day, you know, we, we as a country have, have consistently gone against threats, not only to our security, but to the security and the safety of other nations. We've defended them, and it's the same here. There, there are attacks against us as a nation. There are attacks against other nations by, by, from men and women, and they must be thwarted, they must be dealt with. And, and and a willingness to do whatever it takes. I, I thought about even some of us, you know, have have even with regards to to illness and, and cancer. What what we see here in this text is is exactly the same as it would be nationally with regards to our security or personally with regards to our own health. You know, sometimes sometimes you know. We we get diseases because of like cancer because they say of overexposure to things. Well, Paul deals with that here. And and the same with same with cancer is those cells get we have bad cells in us, those bad cells begin to multiply and reproduce and, and they begin to take over the good cells. That's exactly what Paul's talking about here. And if we, went to the, if we went to the doctor today and that doctor said, hey, you have cancer, we would, some of you have walked that road, some of you are walking that road, you would not be casual with your treatment. You wouldn't walk out and say, oh, it's just in my, it's just in my arm. It's just here. It's serious business. And what we see today in this text is, it is no different than a, than a nation who gets attacked by an outside nation and they defend themselves. It's no different than a body that gets attacked by bad cells called cancer and you would defend yourself. What Paul says here is the same thing. It's the same thing. We, we must defend ourselves as Christians and we must do it strongly, strongly, not casually. And, and and we must we must care about the health not only of ourselves individually but the health of this church corporately and be willing to do whatever it takes to defend against attacks. And there will be attacks. Look with me at Matthew 10, 28. You know, if if when we're sick, we'll do anything to defend our bodies, and our health. And, and when we're, we as a nation have gone to great lengths, even men and women giving up their lives to defend this nation. But look what, look what Jesus says in Matthew ten twenty eight. He says, Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear whom is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. You know what Jesus is saying? Why would we be any less aggressive in the church with regards to things that destroy eternally, then we would be outside the church, with regards to things that can only destroy physically. That, that's what he's saying. False theology, false teachers that lead people astray, they destroy people physically and spiritually, eternally. And, and Jesus says, why would we be less careful to prevent spiritual cancer or to treat spiritual cancer than we would be to treat or prevent physical cancer. When you go to the beach, you put on sunscreen to prevent overexposure to the sun, which destroys cells, which eventually possibly can lead to cancer. What Paul is saying here is put on your spiritual sunscreen. Apply sunscreen to your life, to your spiritual life in a sense. And be willing to go after the attacks. False religion, false theology, it spreads like wildfire. We see it all throughout. our There there are a lot of people out there teaching stuff they ought not to be teaching. It spreads. Just like those bad cells get in our bodies, they multiply and they spread. Bad theology gets in our hearts and in our church and it spreads. It spreads. And ultimately we have to fight them. And that's what Paul is dealing with here in the church at Crete. There was some bad theology. There was some, some people who were intentionally leading people away of the simplicity and the devotion to Jesus Christ. And Paul says very clearly, they must be silenced. They must be shut down. And what Paul is teaching is that we must attack false theology and false teachers aggressively. Not casually, aggressively. There is an aggressive approach here. And all of us here are open to attacks. That's the danger. Every single one of us are open to being attacked or led away from devotion to Christ. Every single one of us. That's why we must stay in God's word. Every single one of us can be led astray from the devotion and the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ to worshiping something else. We're not immune, and therefore we must fight. We must guard ourselves. We must, as we'll see, be careful how we walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. And there are some truths here in this text that, are, that as I studied this week, I, I looked just at the, the the examples, not only of Memorial Day and what Memorial Day means to us and, and, and us as a nation in defending, but also diseases like cancer. And and I saw a lot of similarities between the two and what we see in this text today. And that's what I want to share with us today. Because just like, just like let's say, cancer, we, we have to be careful... Three things here. We have to be careful what we expose ourselves to. That's what we're going to see first in this text. Be careful what you expose yourself to. See, the sun is a good thing, but too much of the sun or overexposure becomes a bad thing. You know, these people within the church were taking truths of the gospel and they were mixing them with other things, man-centered things, and therefore they were distorting them. We've got to be careful what we expose ourselves to, and we'll see passages all throughout the Bible, that say that. Be careful what you expose yourself to. But secondly, we've got to correct or remove all false theology. We'll get these points in a minute, but I'm just giving you an overview. We've got to correct or remove all false the- theology or teachers. All. But not only that, lastly, we've got to make sure that our heart is not receptive to false doctrine. You see, because as I was studying this week, there must be something in the body a cancer cell will move around the body until it finds a, a part of the body that is receptive to it lodging and reproducing. And false theology will do the same thing. Lies and false will, will bounce around until it finds a heart or a mind that is receptive, that is not able to defend it, that doesn't know any better maybe, and it will lodge in your life. And some of us in here have, been, have, have received, been, been on the bad end of bad teachers. And it's hard to get that stuff out. Just like it's hard to eradicate cancer from the body, it's hard to eradicate false theology and lies when you've grabbed hold of them and you live by them. It's hard to eradicate those things. So we have to make sure that we don't have a heart or a mind that's, that's receptive. And that's what we're going to see today in this text. I, I, I hope that you'll see it. I hope... That you'll see it. That that the language Paul uses is not soft, it's strong because this is a serious issue. Deception and spiritual lies and false theology are big deals. They're big deals. So, so let's jump in. Let's jump in. Over overarching truth. You see it on your handout. The overarching truth that I want us to see today, trying to keep it real simple. We must be ready willing and able to confront and and defend not only to confront but to defend against false theology if the church is going to function properly last week we saw that if the church was going to function properly we needed men to be leaders to have a specific character and beyond that all the church was to have that character but now not only character now confrontation confrontation it's necessary character is necessary character matters, sometimes confrontation is necessary. And we must be willing and able, just like you saw in that VBS video, that's what we want for our kids, that's what we want for our adults, to be able to defend. We must be ready, willing, and able to defend against those who oppose and distort the truth. That's why we saw the character we saw last week, for men and women to be able to do that. And everything that we see today builds on that. This is the reason leaders And are to be set apart. And also we have to have the character of Christ. Remember we said reflecting the character of the Father. So that we'll stand firm. So that we'll be able to resist the evil one. It's imperative that we do that. Just like our bodies and disease. There are some things that make us prone to or susceptible to being led astray. From the simplicity and the devotion of Christ. And to false theology. And we need to be careful. We have to guard against these things. Guard against them. So the first thing, verse 10. For there are many rebellious and men, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision. Here's what Paul is teaching us. Be careful. Be careful what you expose yourself to. Be careful what you expose yourself to. He says there are many. The Bible, if you look elsewhere, the Bible are, is full of warnings against false teachers, against the destructive effects that they have. In, in just the New Testament alone, I want us to look at a few passages just so that we understand that this is throughout the Bible. No matter where you go in the Old Testament or the New Testament, we're going to specifically look at the New Testament passages. There are warnings. Look with me at Matthew seven fifteen. They should come up here on your... On your screen here, there, there's quite a few of them, but I just want to so you see the the, the importance here, the, the emphasis here that that the writers and and really God says, be careful, be careful. Matthew seven fifteen. He says, beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Okay, even in Matt, he says, be careful, be careful, beware. Look, look at Mark 13:22. Mark 13:22 he says, "For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show signs and wonders in order to lead astray, if possible, the elect. They'll bear the markings, hey they'll have signs, they'll have wonders, they'll be able to do miraculous things, but what's their goal? The goal is to lead them astray. and if possible, the elect. He's going after Christians. He's going after them. Look at Acts 20, verse 29. Acts 20, verse 29 here. It says, For I know that my, after my departure, look at what, look what he says, Savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Savage wolves will come in among you to destroy you, not sparing the flock. Look, look over at 2 Corinthians 11, 2 through 4. 2 Corinthians 11. For I am jealous of you for a godly jealousy. For I betrothed you to one husband so that Christ I might present as a pure virgin. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. You see what they're leading them away from? The simplicity and the purity of devotion of Christ. You see, it's a, a, the greatest lie has some elements of truth to it. That's the greatest lie. And he's saying they're going to lead you away from the simplicity and devotion of Christ. They're going to be a little bit of grace and then have some man's works on top of it. A little bit of this and then add a little bit of this. A little bit of the Bible and a little of the world. He's saying, no, they're going to lead you astray. Look at 1 Timothy 4. 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 3. But the Spirit implicitly, explicitly says that in later times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. Men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared by those who believe and know the truth. He said, hey, they're going to come on. They're going to teach false theology. They're going to come after you. They're going to try to deceive you. Look at 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 9. But realize this, that in the last days difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents. I mean, that's, that sounds like today. They just described our culture today. Ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of God, treacherous, reckless, Conceited, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God, holding to a, listen to this, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. That's today. Going through all the motions outwardly, but denying the power. For among them are those, he says, avoid such men. For among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women weighed down with sins led on by various impulses always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. He's saying, beware, look at Second Peter 1, 2. Flip a couple over to the right, Second Peter 2, 1 through 3. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing about swift destruction. Many will follow their sensuality. And because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned. And their greed, and in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. They want to deceive and to destroy. Look at 1 John 2, 18. Children, it's the last hour, and just as you heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know it's the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so that it would be shown that they are not all of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? Listen to me. Any religion that denies that Jesus is the Christ is a lie. It's a lie. It's not good. It's a false religion. It is bad. The, the, the crux of everything boils down to this question. Who is Jesus Christ? We, we can differ on some minor points over here. We can't differ on who is Jesus Christ. He is the one and only Son of God. He is fully God. He is fully human. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through Him. He's not one of many gods. He's not equal with Mary. He's none of these. He is the one and only God in the flesh who God sent to become sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. No one comes to God but through Christ. False religions, they will always differ on this. They will will impugn, they they will assassinate the deity of Jesus Christ. And they're liars. I'm not saying that. The Word of God is saying that. Therefore, I am saying that. But just so you know, the authority. I'm standing on this word. They're liars. And liars aren't good. They're liars. And the goal is to get them. Their goal is to deceive others. Who Listen to this. This is the whoever, Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. You want God? You get Him by going through Jesus Christ. Period. Look at chapter 4 of the same book. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, you see, again, it always goes back to Jesus Christ. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist of which you have heard that is coming and now is already in the world. And he's saying, avoid him. Look at 2 John 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. You see, again, it goes back to Jesus Christ. This is the deceiver. The one who does not acknowledge Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Jude 3 and 4. Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed to the saints. For certain persons have crept in unnoticed, those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. It all goes back to who is Jesus. And and Paul makes it very clear, even here in Titus, the same thing that all the other writers we just saw said, and it's this, contend earnestly for the faith. Contend earnestly to keep the purity and the soundness of our doctrine focused on Jesus Christ. And Paul says, hey, for there were a few rebellious men. No, no, he says there were many, in verse 10, many. They're everywhere. And, and Paul says, here's how you can recognize him. You want to recognize a false teacher? And, and notice the contrast between how he characterizes these false teachers to how he characterized the godly leaders in verses 5 through 9. Notice the contrast. He says, first of all, their attitude is rebellious. How did Paul start this letter in Titus 1? What did he call himself? A Slave. Slave. Said I'm a slave to a master. E- even here in, in verses 5 through 9, they were above reproach. They, they, were, they were submissive. Stark contrast to the godly leaders that Paul characterized. Stark contrast. Bottom line, they refused to submit to authority. They refused to submit to authority. False teachers refused to submit to the authority, namely of God's word. They refused to be accountable. They think they're a law in and of themselves. But not only their attitude is rebellious, he says their talk is empty. Their talk is empty. He says empty talkers. Literally, the word there means nonsense. It's nonsense. It's like cotton candy. Cotton candy, you get this humongous thing of cotton candy. It looks huge. You think it's a meal. You eat it. It's empty. It's all air. There, there's a lot there, but there's no, no substance there. Literally, he says, their talk, what they're feeding you is like cotton candy. And guess what? You eat enough cotton candy, you feel sick. It's sick. It looks good to the eye. It's bright pink, bright blue. You know, It looks great. You just want to jump in there and then you realize you're sick. And that's what false teachers, they tell you what you want to hear. They reverse the order and they say, hey, you're not a slave. Let's make God your slave. God owes you. He's your genie. He's here to serve you. Those are lies. You're here to serve Him. Their talk is nonsense. At the end, it's empty. It's like like some of you in here are are, are big on nutrition. It don't matter to me much. I try to take care of my body, but I don't. But empty calories. They're calories. And they get you to that 2,000 calorie a day mark that the, pe- the experts say to live on. But guess what? They don't provide anything. It provides no nutrients to your body. So you've reached your 2,000 caloric intake with no nutrients. They're going to fill you up with words. They offer no nutrients. False teachers. Empty. Hot air. But, but not, only, not only is their attitude rebellious, their talk is empty, their goal is deception. Their goal is deception. They may look nice, they may seem nice, their goal is to deceive. To deceive. They are agents of the enemy, Satan, and they are seeking to deceive. And that's why it's so serious. And we go to great lengths. Again, as I thought about this, we go to tremendous lengths to protect ourselves physically, and yet we expose ourselves to things that destroy us spiritually. I mean, if you were moving into a neighborhood, you'd probably check, make sure there are no registered offenders there, and you'd go through all the school systems, and you'd go through all this stuff. W- what about a good church? What about solid believers in the area? What, what about a-, a solid church to attend? No, they got good schools. We-, we, can- we can protect ourselves physically and leave ourselves wide open spiritually. And Paul is saying there is a lot at stake here. There is a ton at stake here. Literally, it's the difference between truth and error. Truth and error. That's, that's, the, that's the, how strong this is. I mean, if, you're, if you found out that your teacher was teaching your child that, that 5 times 5 equals 45, and they were messing up, you would not stand for that. Why? Because it's wrong. So why any less, why any less diligence with people who are teaching bad theology? We must, Paul says, we must trust the Scriptures and believe in Jesus Christ alone for our salvation. If we add anything, if we add anything to the work of Jesus Christ to procure salvation, hear me, we destroy grace. We destroy the gospel when we add anything to grace. Grace ceases to be grace if I do anything. It's Jesus Christ. And everything that I do, as we'll see here in Titus, everything that I do flows out of what God has done for me. It flows out of being a believer. It flows out of God living in me. And Paul is saying beware. We we can't fall into the trap of taking our focus off of Christ as a church. Do not fall in the trap of taking our focus off of Jesus Christ and what he accomplished. Because there will be at every turn, hear me, we will want to worship ourselves. That's idolatry. Ultimately, we will want to worship ourselves. We will make up a God like what we would want him to be. And ultimately, we're worshiping ourselves. And Paul says, don't do it. Don't do it. Keep the focus on Jesus Christ. And Paul goes further. He calls him out by name. He says, especially those of the circumcision. He's not even leaving it it open. These were Judaizers. These were men who took the gospel and then they added a bunch of laws and rules and regulations on top of the gospel. Jesus plus something else. You can read about him in Galatians as well. There's a real tendency for all of us to, 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 to trust in Jesus plus something. Jesus plus doing this. Jesus plus... And they're not necessarily bad things. But salvation is Jesus plus nothing. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to forgive our sins. Saved. I confess that with my mouth. And Paul is saying, be careful what you expose yourself to. We've seen it before, but in 2 Corinthians 11, Paul says, No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. He disguises himself. He puts on the mask. You've seen people, the word there, disguises, is masquerade. They put a mask on to pretend to be somebody that they're not. And and the best disguise, he says, he pretends to be an angel of light. He looks the part. It looks good. But in the end, it's deception. 1 John 4, 1, we saw, he says, test the spirits. What does it boil down to? Who is Jesus Christ? Test the spirits. Don't believe everything you see. Ephesians 5, he says, Be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Be careful how you walk. We, we must be careful what we expose ourselves to. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5.21. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 says, But examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good, abstain from every form of evil he says examine everything carefully be careful what you expose yourself to the first line of defense is be careful what you expose yourself to and that exposure comes in a variety of ways variety of ways variety of media outlets be careful what you expose yourself to. But not only that, correct or remove all false theology or teachers. All. Correct them or remove them. 1 Peter 5.8 says that Satan prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Looking, active, aggressive. And the ramifications, what Paul is saying here in verses 11-14 through 14 of Titus is that we have been called to a ministry of defense against the attacks of our enemy. Look, look in Titus 1, 11 through 14. We have been called to defend. Look at what Paul says in regarding the, the false teachers who must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families teaching things they should not teach for the sake of sordid gain. One of them themselves, a prophet of their own, says, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. For this reason, look at what he says, Reprove them severely so that they may be sound in the faith. Strong language. He says, Rebuke them. Confront them. Literally, he says, We must be willing to not only identify, but to engage our opponents. Identify and engage them. Paul wasn't to unite with them to get their point of view, to hang out with them, to to be cool with them, to be their best friend, to to try to win them over. No, he says, you go right at them and you confront them. Confront them. Deal with it. In in a certainly a a gentle and respectful manner, 1 Peter 3.15, but you confront them. Just like you would if you had cancer. Just like you would if there was a robber breaking in your home, you wouldn't say, hey, can we talk about this? If you were home, you're like, hey, can we, seriously, can we sit down and talk about this for a second? I, mean, I, I really like that TV you're trying to steal. You think we could talk about what? No, you deal with it. If they were trying to hurt my wife or my children, as much as I could, I would defend them, and then we'll deal with questions later. Clearly, I'm not a, 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 a very much of a deterrent to breaking in, but... I'm going to try hard. I'm going to defend. And it's the same in the church. False theologies, false ideologies, false beliefs, teachers coming in to to share their... Go after them. Get them, Paul says. He says literally, shut them up. He says, they must be silenced. And notice who these were people... The the challenges, I read this, these were not outsiders. The greatest threat to church unity and to this is from within the church. These are people who saw themselves as Christians, if you will. Look at at what it says. They were teaching in homes. It says they were teaching in homes. They were were recognized amongst the believers. They probably were supported by some within Crete. And he says they're they're out for, for dishonest gain. Our greatest enemies often comes, come from within the church. And, and if I was Satan, that's what I would want to do. Get someone from within the ranks and deceive them. And then get them to share the deception. And, and it's one thing, it's one thing to, 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 to confront somebody that's ignorant of truth. It's one thing to do that. And, and I would approach someone like that very different than I would approach somebody from within the church that knew better. Someone that knew better. Two totally different ways. And Paul says, confront them. Deal with it. Look at at Titus 3.10. Reject a factious man after a first and second warning, knowing that such a man is perverted and is sinning, being self-condemned. Strong language. Reject them. Why? Because when the church compromises on truth, when the church compromises on, on the gospel, it ceases to be the church. We're here to protect the gospel, the purity and the simplicity of the gospel. You look all throughout Timothy, Paul refers to it as healthy doctrine, because it heals, because it's good. And and false doctrines only lead to to a sickness within the body of Christ and we cease the ability to function because we're sick. We're sick. The only way that we can refute lies is through knowing the truth. It's through the truth. Sound doctrine leads to sound faith. That's why we teach only the Bible. That's why we stick to the Bible, because sound doctrine leads to sound faith. I want to be, as Ephesians 5, I want to grow, grow us up to maturity so that we will be firm, so that we will not be tossed around by every wind and wave of trickery of doctrine, it says in Ephesians 5. I want us to know the Word of God so that when we hear, when we hear stuff, we filter it through our minds through the Word of God, and I can it's like that thing on the price is right, that little Plinko chip that it bounces around and tries to end up in the one category. You take truth when you hear it and you filter it through your mind, and if it doesn't end up balancing with the word of God, you chunk it. You chunk it. You don't play with it, you don't think about it, you chunk it as a lie. Why? Out of faith, because God's word says it's a lie. Look, look at 2 Timothy 4. How do you do this? He's saying, Timothy, I'm charging you this. Preach the word. 2 Timothy 4.2. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. You, you remember what I said about you end up worshiping yourself? They'll accumulate people that tell them what they want to hear. Tell them, oh, you're great. And will turn away from their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you, Timothy, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Why are we here? Because we're evangelists. And we said that very first day. We're slaves with a message. And it's salvation is through Jesus Christ Alone. And what does it say there in Timothy. That Paul that uh, that Timothy was to build them up on. The word. It wasn't preach culture. It wasn't preach just morality. It wasn't preach other stuff that's popular. He said preach the word. Preach the word Timothy. In season. Out of season. Preach the word. What we need is the word of God. More than anything else. We need as Colossians 3.16 says. We need the word richly dwelling in us ephesians 5 18 we need to be full of the word full that way when somebody offers me some junk food to eat no no no, i'm full got no room for it i'm full then you, there's nothing that has to offer me because i'm full i'm good i'm satisfied with the word of god i'm full of the word of god Matthew 4.4, 4, we saw it last week, Man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What we need to live is the word, and my fear is we are starved. Christians, we are starved and we are malnourished trying to fight an enemy that is greater than us, and we're not going to do it on our own. And if we starve ourselves of the word, we are going to get kicked around by this world. Why? We will be malnourished. We'll be dehydrated and malnourished. And it's not going to work. So, how do we fight? We fight, Paul says, with corrective teaching. That's there on your handout a combination of actions. Through corrective teaching, look what he says. He says in Titus that that they that in verse thirteen, this testimony is true for this reason, reprove them severely so that it may sound in the faith. There's corrective teaching and there's authoritative discipline. two things you teach them and you discipline them. And look what the goal is. The goal is to restore them to their senses. The goal is to bring them back to their senses. And hear me, confrontation is beneficial. When it's done with the goal of restoration, it is beneficial when its goal is to restore. Even even if it has to be severe, he says, do it a a surgeon, a surgeon might. Remove parts of your body in order to save your body. But ultimately, it's good, I, I have two scars on my forearm, in my forearm, when I was in high school, I was fooling around and, and jumped out of some bleachers, and it was wet, and I fell, and to keep me from laying on my head, I put my arm down, and I broke both bones in my forearm. There, there was no scar from that break, but when I went to the doctor, the doctor looked at it and said, look, we can't set this. Both of my bones and my forearm were literally like that, and, and the doctor had to go in. He had to cut me on the top and the bottom and insert two plates and 13 screws, to put my forearm back together. That doctor cut me, but his goal was to cure me. Sometimes within the body of faith, we may wound somebody, but ultimately it is to heal somebody. But the goal was what? To restore. Galatians six one it says, "You who are spiritual, if it, brothers, if any one of you is caught up in a trespass, you who who are spiritual, restore such a person." But do it with the spirit of gentleness. That word restore literally means, it literally points to the setting of a broken bone. Set it just like that doctor did with my bone and my forearm, both my bones and my forearm. That's what we're to do. Literally literally set a broken bone. That's restoration. We are seeking to set that which is broken. And the goal, the goal of godly discipline is always redemptive. Always redemptive. And this is where a lot of things can creep in. This is where we can go, uh, we can go south real quick. Because there are a lot of reasons that are not biblical why we will confront somebody. Just wanting to prove that they're wrong, not a biblical reason for confronting somebody. Just trying to prove that you're right, not a biblical reason for confronting. Just trying to get your agenda across, not a biblical reason redeeming yourself instead of the other person, not a biblical reason. Trying to, trying to just do your own thing, again, not a biblical reason. Those are reasons, though, that all of us have confronted. And, and hear me, I, I, have, I have done this when it went well. I've confronted when it went poorly. I, I've confronted and, and, and I've done it well, and I've confronted and I've done it poorly. It's difficult. It's difficult. There, there's a guy that texts me regularly today, and his text messages will simply say, thanks again. Because I had the courage, again, I saw him out with somebody that was not his wife. My wife and I saw him out with someone who was not his wife, and I did not let it go. He was having an affair, and that's what called him out and brought it to the surface. Today, their marriage is stronger than it ever was. And he will tell you, had no one said something, he was ready to leave his wife for this other person. It went really well. I was grateful for it. Was it fun? It was not fun. But they were restored. It was redemptive. I've confronted other times where I did it poorly, where it's wounded unnecessarily. And the goal here, but the goal was always so that they would be sound in the faith. You see it there in verse four and 13. The goal always has to do with the faith. It always has to do with our Christianity. It always has to do with bringing them back to the gospel. Otherwise, people turn away. Just like this individual was about to turn away from his wife to a mistress, people, if they are not restored, will turn away from the truth of the gospel to something else that is not a gospel and ultimately wants to destroy him. Or, the, or her. We, we must, what Paul is saying, we must be willing to do whatever it takes to deal with false theology. Even if it means hurting somebody in order to bring them back. This person did not want to be exposed. He made that very clear to me. There were threats. There was a lot of stuff going on. He did not want to be exposed. And I just said, look, either you tell your wife or at Two o'clock on Monday, I'm calling your wife and telling her what I saw. And you can imagine if you were, you know, if you can imagine how you would receive that. Hey, tell your wife what I saw, or at two o'clock on Monday, I'm telling your wife what I saw. And I told him, I said, I hope that I'm wrong. All my, I hope, she says, you're a fool, Chris. I hope that what I saw was wrong. But I'm willing to take that risk. And again, periodically I'll get, an email, I'll get a text message from this individual and just says, hey, thank you again. And I say that not to my own credit, only to say to the glory of God that when you, we do things right, God is glorified and it's redemptive. It's redemptive. We have to do it lovingly, redemptively. We have to be motivated by love. We have to be motivated by the gospel. We have to be motivated so that they'll be sound in the faith. Again, not for all these other reasons, but for they'd be sound in the faith. So be careful what you expose yourself to. Be willing to confront. Be willing to deal and correct with false theology. But lastly, Paul says in 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 the last two verses, make sure that our own hearts and minds are not receptive to false doctrine. Even in Galatians 6, it's interesting in Galatians 6, he says, Brethren, and I I quoted that earlier, but it's interesting at the end. It says, Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Listen, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Make sure that there's nothing in your own heart. Look, look Look at verse 15. To the pure of Titus 1. To the pure all things are pure, but to those who are defiled, unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their mind and their conscience... Are defiled. They profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny Him, being detestable and disobedient and worthless for every good deed. We got to till the soil of our own hearts and minds and till the soul of the hearts and minds of our children so that their hearts and minds are not receptive to false theology and to Satan's lies. And that's where it starts is in our heart and in our mind. Look look with me at Philippians 4. Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. That's how you tend your soil. Let your request be made known to God. And the, look at the result. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What is our job? It's to be in the Word. It's to be casting our anxieties upon the Lord. It's to be in prayer. It's to be thankful. Verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, of good repute, if there's anything of excellence, anything worthy of praise, dwell on these. Look at the result. And the God of peace will be with you. Till the soil. Guard your minds and your heart. I took Bradley to a birthday party yesterday, and this man in his backyard had a garden, and he was growing some great things. He, he put a fence around that garden, and he was showing me how he had dug down about a foot and a half in the ground. He dug down and buried some of that fence, and then it went up about this high. Why? To keep people out of his garden. And I thought about that. I said, do we do that spiritually? Are we willing to dig down in the ground? Are we willing to dig down in the soil? Not just casually put up a fence. He dug down deep. Why? Because those critters dig under the fence. And Satan is, will- is willing and able and wants to do whatever it takes to destroy our lives and destroy our children's lives. And we've got to be willing to dig down deep. Not just put up a surface fence. Dig down deep. Even where you couldn't see, guess what? There was a fence. Even where you couldn't see, that garden was fenced in. I said, have any critters ever gotten in? He said, nope. Never gotten in. He said, no, because they they can't get in. Why would he care more about a garden than I do my spiritual walk with the Lord? Why would he care more about a garden than I do Bradley and Sarah? Cultivate their minds. Fill their minds with the truths of God's Word. Look real quickly at 1 Thessalonians 2.13. For this reason, we constantly thank God that when you receive the Word of God, which you heard from us, you accept that it is not as the Word of men, but for what it really is, the Word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. Again, what performs the work? It's the Word of God in you. It's putting the Word of God in our hearts and our minds, and that performs the work. The seed takes root. It defends us. God's Word does that. God's Word's got to be dwelling in our hearts. It's got to be rich of it. Our hearts have to be full of it. And and then we'll be pure. You see what Paul says in verse 15? To the pure, all things are pure. When you're mature in Christ, you understand that. You understand that food and drink don't defile a person. You understand these things. You say, hey, I I have good insight here. I see things as they are. He says, but look, you buckle on it to the unpure, to the defiled, to the unbelieving. What does he say? Nothing is pure. You balk on the gospel. You balk on the truths of the word. Nothing is pure at that point because you're defiled. Matthew says, what goes into a man's mouth doesn't defile him. Quit worrying about food and drink and all this other stuff. What goes into a man's mouth, that is not what defiles him. It's what comes out of a man's mouth that defiles him. Why? Because it's the heart. It's the heart problem. It's not a food problem. It's not a drink problem. It's a heart problem. And sound beliefs lead to sound lives. Theology is not for seminary students. It's not for me. It's not for Jay who just graduated. Theology is for believers. All believers. We all, every single believer in Jesus Christ ought to be, is, a theologian. Period. Because our Master, this is how we learn of our Master. Sound doctrine and good works... Go hand in hand. You, you want to know why what's coming out is a problem? It's because what's inside is a problem. What's down in the well will always come up in the bucket. That's what Jesus was getting to. And we can focus real a lot on the outward and, and ignore the inner. What we need is God's word deep within our hearts so that when we speak, God's word comes out. When when the, So that we always have a, a word to say that is good for the moment. Ephesians Four, let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, but only such a word that is good for the moment. So when you you look at Proverbs 31, it says that her mouth just overflows with goodness. Why? Because the word of God's down in her. And when she opened her mouth, it just comes out. She's full. And false teachers get fixated on the outside. Don't get fixated on the outside to neglect of the inside. And contrast with me, look at verse 16 real quick and we'll close. They profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny Him. That reminds me of the passage we saw earlier, holding to a form of godliness, but they deny its power. They profess to know God, but their deeds say something else. Contrast that with 2.14, Titus 2.14, the godly man. That's the false teacher. Look at the godly man. Who gave himself up to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds? That's salvation. Why did God save us to purify us? that we'd go out and be messengers, that we'd be as slaves, that'd excuse me, that we'd take His mission on as our own mission? And listen to me, everything. Everything about, this is what we're going to see in Titus over and over again. Everything, everything, everything about our life flows out of our identity to Jesus Christ. To the pure, all things are pure. But the unbelieving and the defiled, nothing is pure. Our identity with Jesus Christ. Romans 5.20 tells us where grace abounds, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. And one of the beauties, one of the glories of the gospel is this. It's the power of God to salvation in any generation, in any culture. Everything flows out of what God has done through Jesus Christ. And what we'll see in Titus and, and what salvation was meant to be, salvation is a radical term. It's a radical term. You don't, you don't kind of get saved you don't you don't save someone who is in pretty good shape. we don't understand salvation if we say, "Oh, I would have got to God on my own eventually or I was just barely a sinner or I was just a little bit no no, no, you were dead in your sins ephesians two one says Romans three says that you were there was nothing good in you, nothing. the human race is dead in sin, and God through his power has raised us. Spiritually, why? To be His ambassadors. To be His representatives. Humanity is spiritually blind and we must go tell them. And we must defend the gospel. God has set forth Jesus Christ to be the Savior and He shall save the people from their sins. And also their sinfulness. But that person can only pursue purity through Christ. Christ has to set them free. He's the only one that will set them free. That is the Christian life. We have been set free to pursue God. To pursue our adoptive Father. To take on His character. Look look with me as we close again. First Thessalonians 4, 7 real quick. For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. You know what your job is? You know what God's will for your life is? It's sanctification. It's to take on the character of your Father is to show the character of your father. It is to be armed with truth, motivated by love, clothed with a pure life and engage the enemy to set free the captive. That's our mission. That's our mission. Truth matters. Confrontation is beneficial when it's done rightly. So application, what does it mean for us? Let me, just a couple questions there on your handout. Just to, Again, I'm not going to give you eight things to do or this and that because I don't know where all of you are. I don't. I, Holy Spirit is good for that, but I want to get you some questions to ask yourself. Are you willing to confront people with false theology? You know, that one question right there tells a lot about our hearts. Do we even care? Do we care about truth? Do we care about God? Do we care about others? Are we willing to confront? Do, do you confront for the right reasons and the right objectives? Is it more about you or is it more about God? Are, are, are you even able, you might ask yourself this, do, do I even recognize false theology? Maybe that's an indicator that we don't know the word of God as well that we should. And, and we need to get in Bible studies. Call me, I'll, I'll meet one-on-one with you. I have multiple Bible studies. So there's other men and women here that would meet with you. We want to be mature. Does your character and calling as a believer, as you're supposed to, match up with the way you actually live? Does the fact that you bear the name Christian, does that match up by how you live your life? If not, where are the gaps? Where, what are the areas where maybe where they're not lined up? We all have them pray that pray that the holy spirit would reveal them to us that we could repent and turn would you say today maybe this would you say today that the could you say that the word of god richly dwells within you could you say today that you you you're growing in your knowledge of god's word what what might you be exposing yourself to that's having negative effects. Maybe it's what you're reading. Maybe it's what you're watching. Maybe it's some people you're hanging around. Be careful what you expose yourself to. How, how might, lastly, how might you better guard your heart and your mind? How might you better guard your heart? How might you better fence in the garden that's your life? How, how, maybe you need to dig that fence a little deeper. Maybe that fence needs to be a little higher. Maybe there's some gaps in the fence that there have been some rips and some tears that need to be mended. Ask God to reveal these things to you.